Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for uh, January 18th, 2020. This is episode number 35. Uh, it is um, a cold day, and it just started snowing here in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Um, like, it just started snowing in the last 90 seconds, actually. Um, and it's really coming down. It's um, looks pretty awesome. So... Uh, yeah, it's been, I guess, uh, eight, ten days, ten days since the last uh, life report. What's new? Well, Oliver's still having a good um, 2020 at school. Um, again, for whatever reason, he just started having a better attitude about and enjoying school more after the holiday break. So that is still going well. Um Every morning, um, you know, I walk him to school every day. And uh, when we get to the door at school, I always say, you know, be a good listener and be nice to people and do your work and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And every day for the past couple of weeks now, he says it every day, he like sort of like gives a comic pause and kind of smiles and looks away. And as he's walking into the building, he says loudly, and I'm not going to do my work. And everyone hears, and it's kind of funny. But um, he knows that I think it's funny. Now he says it even more sort of like um, extravagantly each day. So it's very funny. Um, so he's still doing well at school. Uh, the, other, the other thing we're trying to work on right now is um, in our tiny apartment, he has a lot of toys. And he has all these little sort of like play sets, like houses and castles and um he insists on keeping them out on the in the rug on the rug in the in our living room which means that our living room i.e our entire apartment just uh feels looks and feels like a play space and drives me bananas so i've been sort of telling him that i'm going to start tidying up uh and you know have a new routine going because he doesn't like it when they get put away overnight which um He's going to have to like it. But anyway, that's the big project for today. Um, and I hope he doesn't get upset about it. But I've warned him, so we'll see how that goes. Um, let's see. Well, I didn't go for a run today because it's freezing. And I've noticed that if it's like below 30, my bones just kind of like hurt <laughs> while I'm running. So I'm not going to... Um, expose them to that and expose myself to that. So I'm not going to run today. Hopefully I'll run tomorrow because it's supposed to be in the 40s, but uh, we'll see. Certainly not running today because it's cold and now it's snowing and it's going to rain later. Um, but not not any big plans for this holiday weekend. Uh, my friend Meg is having her birthday later today at Bargrade Harry, so I'll probably hit that. Um, was thinking of going inner tubing slash skiing, but inner tubing really in New Jersey might go Monday. Um, I'm guessing we won't, but that's that's a possibility, and that's it. Those are the only plans. Just hanging out, which I like. Um, let's see. Uh, big news from last week was the uh, the passing of Neil Peart, who is one of my musical heroes, and he was probably my he's probably my favorite drummer ever. Absolutely, he's the reason I started playing drums. He. Uh, he died on, oh, I guess it was a week and a half ago. They didn't they didn't announce the death till three days later. I'm assuming till as soon as the funeral ended is when they made it public. But um, which is very Neil 
to have even kept his death private. Um, but you know, when I started listening to Rush when I was twelve years old, uh, they just changed everything. <laughs> they changed every. They they got me excited to play music. I listened. I was a huge music fan even before that. I mean, I started listening to music when I was seven years old. Um, which I now I realize is kind of unusual, but I'm just always so into it. But when I was 12 and I got into Rush, um, it just changed, you know, it's like that type of band when you're like adolescent kid, uh, it makes it, it's like, oh, this is such a cool, serious band. And, um, but I loved it all and I loved the drums and, um, you know, Rush went through a lot of different eras, but I like this 80s synth Rush. That's my favorite. And I think that's when Neil was his, at his most inventive drumming-wise. Um, so it, the weather was really warm last weekend, so I went for a long run, which I've tried to do in 2020. And um, I have new new earbuds, um, new headphones that actually stay in when and they're comfortable while running, which I usually can't handle it. So I've been enjoying listening to stuff while running and I put on, um, last weekend I loaded on my phone, uh, Power Windows by Rush, which is my favorite Rush album. And, um, I hadn't listened to it in many years, but I know the album so well. So when I was listening to it while running, it was that great, that rare experience of hearing it new and it's fresh and exciting and you haven't heard it in so long, but you also kind of know everything coming. It's very familiar. So it's that like rare sweet spot. So, um, a, I was just loving it, listening to it while, while I was running, but also I realized how much I stole from Neil drumming wise in terms of like my entire, uh, sort of circular rhythmic flowing pattern style combined with like punctuated with tons of syncopation is basically Neil's playing on power windows. And it's like, I started playing drums while power windows was there, the current rush album and kind of all I listened to. And, uh, and, um, now you just, I just see how, like how much that album, like, affected the way I became a drummer, like sort of um, had an effect on the style I kind of developed. Um, so it was this beautiful revelation while I was wa- running along all the piers on the wa- the waterfront on the East River and just listening to this and thinking about how much this, this person, this stranger's work <laughs> um, had an effect on me. Um, so I went to high school in St. Catharines, Ontario, which is Neil's hometown, and um, he was he's just at the age where like some of my teachers knew him uh, because they like they had gone to school with him and the Peart family was known in town because um, well they had a plumbing place Peart Plumbing I think that was his brother or the uncle or something so you would see that van drive around and uh, I think Neil had three other siblings so everyone in St. Catharines that was of a generation older than me or two seemed to know a Peart and. My um, math teacher and advisor uh, that was assigned to me, uh, this man, Reese Jenkins, Mr. Jenkins, uh, grew up with Neil and he was a guitar player and um, he was sort of the, the cool teacher at school that like played with all the students and like jammed and played in bands for the annual like sort of performance concert. And um, he, you know, knew I was a big Rush fan and obviously knew I was a drummer because we played together, but he would sometimes drive me home because we lived in the same neighborhood, which was um, right near Neil's old neighborhood up on the lakeshore um, in St. Catharines. 
the specific neighborhood Neil was from is called Port Dalhousie, and um, I lived about uh, one kilometer east of Port Dalhousie because there's where the water there's a there's a pier and that sort of represents the break of, of the neighborhood. And so I lived a little east of the pier. Um, I lived in the north end, right on the lakeshore. And uh, so anyway, he would drive me home, and sometimes he was like, "Let's go, let's drive through Port Dalhousie," and. You know, he showed me um, the house that Neil grew up in. He's like, yeah, this was Neil's house, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like, so as a rush diehard who ended up moving to Canada and moving to Neil Peart's hometown and then like having teachers who who pl- knew him and played with him, it was, it was pretty mind-blowing. And uh, so I treasured all that. And my friend John Crossingham, who uh, has since become a musician um, too, we basically learned to play drums together. And uh, I would go play at his house in the basement. He would come over to my place, which I had a practice pad set up because we lived in an apartment. And um, But he and I were just like Rush fanatics, Neil devotees, and um, we traded a lot of texts uh, when the news hit last week. So it was pretty sad. So it became public like late afternoon on a Friday, and I it just hit me like a thunderbolt. It's just like, I, it's very rare that I feel such a sincere uh, sadness for the, the death of someone I don't personally know. Um, but kind of hit me because it, you know, it's like, this is a person who's a figure who loomed large in my life. So, um, yeah, left work. I went to Bar Great Harry on the way home, as I often do, but I just sort of sat in the back by myself and just scrolled through social media looking at people sharing thoughts and I was texting friends and um, lo and behold after one beer I decided I was getting up to leave to go home and Howard my friend Howard was there at the bar also a big Rush fan and I was like whoa okay so had another quick drink and then Howard came over to our place and um, we just talked about it (laughs) you know and then also played a lot of Hungry Hungry Hippos with Oliver and yeah, that was the day Neil died for for me. It was like ended playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Well, actually, after Oliver fell asleep, I um I watched the end, the last half hour or so of Beyond the Lighted Stage, which which is the great Rush documentary from something like nine or ten years ago. And uh, the last scene, it actually goes over the credits, but where the the three of them, Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee and Neil Peart, are having this like wine soaked dinner, and they're just three old friends sitting around a, a table um, just drinking and talking and laughing. And it's, uh, you really, uh, filled with joy, like seeing like their deep friendship. Um, it's great. Uh, to uh, play music well and to do it with people that you love is, uh, it's a, uh, thankfully not too rare, but it's kind of rare. And, uh, I've I've had that a, f- a few times, and uh, for them to have done it for forty years is just amazing. Anyway, R.I.P. Neil Peart. Um, well, what else? Moving on from from that. Uh, let's see. We had Dead Night at Three's Brewing last week. It was great. Scott was in town, so it was like me and Scott Devendorf and Bradley Goodman, and just a fun time. Just like chill and laid back. Um. Some of the regulars couldn't make it, so it was a little uh, less rowdy as as it sometimes is. But um, um, our friend Natron, Nate Martinez, was able to come by. Uh, oh, the kind of cool thing this time, like 
can't believe I didn't say it right away, is that Michael Arthur, um, my friend Michael Arthur, was able to come and do live drawings. So he sits down and he writes on, he draws on an iPad via, I think, this program called Procreate, and um, project it up onto the wall. And he listens to the music and he just draws to it. He just draws such beautiful things. If you want to look on Instagram um, or Twitter, his handle is Ink Lines, I-N-K-L-I-N-E-S, Ink Lines, Ink Lines, sorry. And um, it's just such beautiful stuff. He's also like drawn with us for some of our Talking Heads shows, I Get Wild shows, um, and other things we've done in the past, like uh, at Joe's Pub. He's drawn with us for, I think, the XTC night we did. And obviously, he's also sort of like the illustrator in residence at, at the Public Theater and Joe's Pub, I believe. Um, anyway, so Michael was there. It was great. He just turned out this beautiful drawing that, again, you could see on his Instagram. And um, and uh, let's see. And then our uh, Dave Keaty at the end showed up. And uh, he's the guy that does all our tapestries that we show. And um, he had recently he's done all the tapestries that are on stage with the National in the past uh, this past tour. So that was um, a fun dead night. Then I went back to Threes the following night because it was their fifth anniversary party. And I often don't go to these birthday parties because they're always the day after dead night. And so you know I didn't go. I went to one. I didn't go to two, three, and four. But then for five, I was like, I got to go to five. And um, it was great. A lot of good friends there. Um, a lot of friends of threes and the friends of um, the partners. And um, it was just a nice little, well, par- not little, it was huge, but a nice party. And I m- randomly met a bunch of people. I was just introduced to people and I had great conversations with these people that do interesting things and they're nice. And you talk to somebody you'd never met for 10 minutes and then you go talk to someone else. It's just like, it's like, oh, you know, like a nice party like that is such a, such a fun thing. I, you come home sort of on a high of just having had a great conversation with, with someone and learning about their little part of the world. And um, I, had a, I had a ball. And uh, yeah, so Scott and Liz were there. Uh, Baxter, my, my friend and bandmate in Guard of the Ark, was there. Matt DeVoe, uh, Greg McCarthy uh, from Other Half and Dead Night Regular and Carol Garden's na- na- neighbor. Um, Oh man, who else was there? Uh, Mike Phillips from I Get Wild and Three Ring Bender stuff. Um, Michael Arthur, the pre the aforementioned Michael Arthur, the artist, was there too. Um, just a fun, fun, great night. So that was the three's fifth party, and I'm now I'll go next year for sure for six because these are these are fun. Um, let's see. The only only other sort of like personal news is uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go to Cincinnati again soon just because try and help out my mom because my dad is not getting better. He's still at home, but you know, it's a uh, pretty rough being a single elderly lady caretaker for my dad. So, um, anyway, I don't know how long the status quo is going to hold there, but I'm going to go home and just kind of like, as I do semi-regularly, just go and kind of just be there and help out. Um, but it's pretty tough. So there's that. And I guess to um, let's see all the personal first section of the of the podcast. I'll end on a high note, which is that um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but Hopsy, that like beer subscription thing that that um, I was Christmas gifted a year ago, where they send you like refills of these, these like mini keg things they call torps, and it put it into a Krups proprietary 
tap little thing. It looks like a huge submarine coffee machine on steroids, coffee maker on steroids. Anyway, they didn't sell any beer in New York for six months, which was kind of annoying. So my monthly subscription just stopped. It halted and they're back. And now I love getting it. It's like, it's pretty good beer. Um, it's like breweries like Great South Bay, which I think is on Long Island, is sort of their big one. Um, and they do Bronx Brewery, and, and they have a clearly have a, some sort of contract with InBev or whatever because they get like Lagunitas stuff. But anyway, obviously there's no shortage of good beer in this part of Brooklyn. But um, I just love the whole hobby of it. I love getting this thing in the mail. I love having putting one in the fridge. It's cold. I love sticking it in this like keg machine and pouring myself a beer and. Um, I just love the whole activity of it. So that, that's been a nice thing that it's back. Um, so yeah, um, it's fun to have that thing in the basement, um, on tap again. Let's see, moving on to books. Um, still not back in a total book reading groove. Um, but, uh, I, those two books I found on the stoop, um, like a week and a half ago or whatever, the two Bob Dylan books, uh, by this author, Paul Williams, I've been like, tearing through the middle, uh, they call it the, or it's the middle years, like 1972 to 86 or something, 74 to 86. And uh, I love this guy's writing. He's so enthusiastic. He is never, he's very knowledgeable and has listened to a lot. He's a super tape trader collector. And this is all pre-internet too, it seems like when he wrote this. So it's not like this stuff was easy to find, but he's also never condescending. And he's always like, this is my opinion. Um, you know, you may you should you should share your own opinion to your, I love how he invites people, the reader to have share an opinion too, um, even though obviously the reader can't communicate back. But it's just it's it's a testament to sort of the open open conversational style of the book. And so I've been reading this, and I didn't realize till yesterday. I looked him up on Wikipedia. The author Paul Williams. Um, he unfortunately passed away like um, fifteen years ago, but. He was the founder of Crawdaddy Magazine, the great rock magazine that was founded in like 1966 or something. Um, so he's um, quite, quite, quite the historical figure. Anyway, I love his Bob Dylan book. So I'll finish this one. I'll go back and read the first one, which I have the early years, and I really want the later years, which is 88 to um, 2000. Um, uh, and unfortunately, there won't be anything after that because he passed away. But um, I really like his writing. Let's see, music. Haven't listened to anything new, which is embarrassing. I've just been putting on like old dead, <laughs> and that that's about it. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Waterboys the last forty eight hours, just because Mike Scott from the Waterboys has been more uh, prolific on Twitter, and he's been posting these photos of the cassettes that make up the Fisherman Blues sessions. It's just like like dozens and dozens and dozens of cassettes. And uh, so that got me listening to the Fisherman's Blues era, Waterboys, which I love. And it's not on streaming, but there's a box set that has like, it's like six CDs worth of like the sessions. And I really need to pick that up. Um, So that's music. Moving on to, uh, let's see, general neighborhood life. Well, um, the hot new restaurant in the neighborhood is this place called Bar, and then second word, Bet, B-E-T-E, Bar Bet. It's in the old uh, Provence, whatever it is, place um, that was uh, Smith and DeGras, the northeast corner of Smith Street and DeGras Street. And um, 
And its cuisine is technically French Canadian, is what I, they call it, I guess, um, which means kind of like, you know, it's a it's a little bit French. Um, it's basically French, but um, more <laughs> uh, North American and satisfying and richer is, I, I guess, one way to put it. I guess I don't know. I and I haven't eaten, eaten there, um, but the uh, the people behind it are like where the kind of Battersby and Dover people. Um, so it has a high pedigree, and it's because of that I think of that all these names attached that it's very hard to get in and. I guess they even like reserve seats at the bar for dining, so it isn't like you could just go in and say, "I'll sit at the bar and eat here." So hopefully, I'll get there at some point. But um, it is nice to have like fine dining in the neighborhood. It's an enjoyable. So maybe one day I'll be able to report about Barbette. The other new hotspot is, uh, of course, the High High Room, which I can recommend it as I have in the past um, on this podcast, and it's it's excellent too. So um, let's see. I'm gonna move on to beer. And by the way, I just had to do an edit. So if it's if anything sounds weird, it's because of the edit. But moving on to beer, and this will be the end of it. But um, uh, end of the episode. But I've had actually some like really good beers in the past week and a half. So at the Threes party, they had like all of their normal beers, of course, but they also had some new beers, new to me, like Vain Glorious, which is like a dry hop version of their standard like Vleet Pilsner. Uh, their signature beer, Vleet, uh, it was excellent. Had an Eternal Return Apricot, which is a sour beer, and a Crying on the Inside it was IPA. Um, and then Hill Farmstead. So I'm going to talk up here. Um, I should have mentioned at the top, but uh, last week uh, Julian Oliver and I went to Drew Thurlow, my old my bandmate and friend. Um, and uh, went to Drew and Jen's apartment in Dumbo, and we met their uh, cute uh, new addition, Eva, who is two months old now. She is just the sweetest, cutest little girl, and it was fun to see Drew and Jen in um, like parenting action. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, also fun was that uh, over the holidays they had been in Vermont, which is where Jen is from, and they went to Hill Farmstead, and they gave they brought back some beer and I, they shared some with me, which was awesome. So, um, they, they, they gave me a couple of things, but, um, I ended up having the society and solitude number six, which is an IPA. I shared that with a uh, Drew, my brother-in-law when we were watching some football. So, um, the Hill Farmstead society and solitude is excellent. Thank you, Drew and Jen. And, um, Let's see. My friend Mike Phillips gave me a Burlington. I don't know if I mentioned this, but we had Burlington. I had a creature, Creatures of Magic by Burlington Beer Company. Just great beer, beautiful can. And uh, let's see. Last week, uh, I stopped in the other half for a half an hour and had a Small Galaxy Everything, which is a standard other half, um, super hazy IPA thing. And it was great. Um, and I guess that's it. Snow's still coming down. Looks like there's half an inch already on the ground. Uh, I hope I, I'll get this up today. I have to do an edit because of that issue I just had five minutes ago, which you, the listener, probably don't know anything about or hopefully won't even notice. But um, yeah, so this is uh, this has been episode thirty number 35 of the Conrad Life Report. It's Saturday, January 18th, 2020 from 
snowy Carroll Gardens, uh, Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Uh, be safe, and um, I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.